On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. Nope, just kidding. Greg Mansick in for Matt Pauley here tonight on Brewers Weekly. Welcome into the program. Doesn't feel like baseball weather outside. Allow us to warm it up for you. Got you till nine o'clock tonight. Anxious to talk some Brewers baseball. You know, piecing together the show earlier today, and things sort of started falling in place. I did have a conversation with Brewers president of baseball operations, David Stearns, earlier today. Some interesting nuggets on the Brewers' new structure with the hitting coach position. This is really interesting. We'll play some comments from Stearns coming up in a few moments. Also, it's our poll question of the night. Are you more concerned now than ever? about David Stearns' days in Milwaukee being numbered? I am. At the end of the year, I was not. At the end of the season, I should say. I am more concerned now than I was mid-October during his postseason wrap-up at American Family Field. We'll tell you why coming up about 822 tonight. We'll be happy to hear from you tonight on the program at 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 8 855-616-1620. Five five six one six one six twenty. All right, I've got it in my hands. Greg Hill, there are four stages of grieving. When it comes to my perspective on sports, there are four stages of grieving because most often a fan base will have its favorite team's season come to an end before a championship is won. Right. Sure. So most of the teams that play in the major leagues, the NFL, the NBA, have a level of all right, it's time to turn the page. You eventually get to that. But there are four stages of grieving. I'm curious where people are after this baseball season, a brewer season that, in my opinion, ended far too soon. I still believe in my heart of hearts that the Brewers are a better baseball team than the Atlanta Braves. Still, it was the Atlanta Braves having a parade through Buckhead and wherever else in Atlanta and celebrating a World Series title. Stage one of grieving is the blame game, right? Mm, Craig yes. Council made the wrong move. Yes. He, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have bunted here. Why did Aaron Ashby come into the game when he came in? Shouldn't that have been Brandon Woodruff? How do you go to Hater for another inning? Right? He, he serves up a meatball to Freddie Freeman. The season, it's all Josh Hater's fault. Of course it is. Team can't hit. What is going on? It's the blame game. That that is the immediate aftermath of a series loss to the Atlanta Braves. Or if you want to go back in history, in NLCS series loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers or the St. Louis Cardinals, a World Series loss to the Cardinals. Cardinals, Cardinals, Cardinals. That is stage one, the blame game. Stage two in the grieving process, Greg, maybe you're familiar with this, it's boycotting baseball. How many innings of baseball did you watch after the Brewers lost? Be honest. Ooh, um, I probably logged, I'd say 20. 20 total innings, American League and National League, uh-huh. with the NLCS, ALCS, and the World Series. So a combined 20 innings for three series. Yeah. Yes. Is that fair? Um, well, I was. I guess now I'm all thinking, uh, that was just the World Series that I'm thinking about. Can I elect and bump up to 35? Uh, if you'd like, um, it, you settle on your number, and whatever it is, it's going to be that many more innings than I watched. Oh, perfect. I was out. I was out. I ain't watching it anymore. I'm sick of baseball. Hate this sport. Stupid. I didn't watch. After the Brewers lost to the Atlanta Braves, I could not st- And I know these were great series, right? <laughs> there were some compelling moments. Uh, I saw highlights. I don't know if that counts. Kind of scrolling through. I think I ended up watching reruns of Monk. 
instead of the NLCS. That's just where I was. That was stage two of grieving. Eventually, I got through to stage three, but it wasn't until after the season ended. Well, sort of. Stage three is adopted fandom. Well, hey, if the Brewers aren't in it, I'll root for this team. Right? We've all been there, too. And did you side with the Atlanta Braves? Did you say, well, hey, they knocked us out. Go Braves. That might be a tough thing for people in Milwaukee to say, just given the Braves' Brewers' history and the Braves being in Milwaukee as part of their history before being sold to a Chicago investor and that investor selling off the team and moving it to Atlanta. Stage three is adopted fandom. Well, the Brewers aren't in it. I'm going for this team. And then there is stage four, and I'm very happy to say that I'm finally now at stage four, and I hope you are as well, because stage four focuses on the future. Hey, the future looks good. Then you start looking at the roster. You start realizing, hey, this guy's coming back. That guy's coming back. Arbitration-eligible years for a number of players. The fact of the matter is the Brewers have never had this much control over their roster going into an offseason. That's not to mean people won't get away, right? Obviously, El Garcia, that ain't happening. He's going to get a multi-year deal from somewhere else. Others who have elected free agency include Brad Boxberger, pretty quality reliever, high-leverage guy. Hunter Strickland, he sort of came on for the crew. He was an interesting piece. Brett Anderson, I think we all see this one coming. Eduardo Escobar, mid-season trade target. Manny Pena. A very solid backup catcher who, when pressed into a starting role, shined at times. He's been a nice piece to the puzzle in Milwaukee for a number of years. So, as Craig Council might often say, the soup is going to taste a little different next year. But of all the names that I mentioned, aside of maybe Garcia, are we really talking about core players here? Boxberger, Strickland, replaceable. Brett Anderson, they've got five better options, maybe six. Daniel Norris, that didn't really work out that well anyway. Manny Pena, all right, that, that, that could be a loss. You've got to pay attention to it. You've got Omar Narvaez, but Manny Pena, he did a couple of things at the elite level, mainly on defense. Eduardo Escobar, if you're really in it, at the point where you've got to make a move, you can find another role player like Eduardo Escobar with a little bit of pop at the trade deadline. So I'm not really worried about any of the names here, uh, although Garcia would be, a, a, I think, a significant loss if you consider the terrible year Christian Yelvich had. You've got the youth in Tyrone Taylor. right? There's some question marks in the outfield. Age, things are starting to creep up on Lorenzo Cain, though he played well last year. And Jackie Bradley Jr. just had a miserable season all the way around. So it's not an offseason without questions, but stage four, the grieving process, Greg Hill, the future looks good. We're through right, it. So see how quickly we, right, we've we moved through. It started with blaming the world, boycotting baseball, adopting another team because the Brewers were out of it, and finally turning the page and saying, let's look ahead here. What is 2022 going to look like? And there are some questions, and we'll get those through on subsequent versions of this show. But curious to know where people are at. That's kind of a thread throughout the program. Have you moved through the stages of grieving? 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. And were you able to do it in a much more rapid pace than I? Coming up next, the Brewers have two hitting coaches. That's right, plural. They had one, they now have two, and are looking for a third. What? is the reasoning behind it all. I chatted with David Stearns a little bit earlier today. He explains. We'll share with you after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 
Welcome back in. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you until 9 o'clock. And for Matt Pauly, Matt is out on assignment. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, your stage of grieving. Are you through it? Did you move through the stages of grieving? The blame game, boycotting baseball, adopting another team as your own, to, hey, the future looks good. That's kind of where I'm at right now. It's a good time for that, too, because yeah, momentum starts to build here during the GM meetings. Conversations start happening. They start to get a little movement during the winter months, the hot stove. And hopefully, in a month, we're not talking about a labor stoppage, which is certainly a possibility, but uh, we'll save that for another time. I, I don't want to be too downtrodden on a Brewers Weekly here on November 11th. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us today. So the Brewers have... I, not only a new hitting coach, they've got a new philosophy to the position. So, for those keeping score at home, Andy Haynes has been the Brewers hitting coach the last few seasons. It has not gone well for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, in fact, it's it's gone rather steadily downhill uh, to a point where it, it was just borderline awful for a good portion of the season. So, I, I, I looked this up. The, the absolute worst hitting seasons in Milwaukee Brewers franchise history... 2020, 1971, 2021. So two of the three worst hitting seasons in Milwaukee Brewers history came with Andy Haynes as the team's hitting coach. And in 2019, the team hit 246, which is really not far off from the 223 they hit collectively in 2020. Still, that was a 60-game season, no fans, okay, maybe you get a little bit of a mulligan with that. But to come back in 2021 and hit 233 for the season... Power numbers go down, strikeouts elevated, right? I mean, all across the board, it was a miserable collective season for the Milwaukee Brewers. And it was further amplified by how they performed in the playoffs. I mean, it was the margin of error for pitchers was nil. They didn't have any, right, to the point where yeah, you give up a late-inning home run to Freddie Freeman, and that's it. Missed opportunities were aplenty for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, Andy Haynes is gone, and... The big question is, who will backfill Andy Haynes? So we learned today that the Brewers now have two hitting coaches, a job so big that two people have to do it. So you've got 51-year-old Ozzie Timmons coming over from Tampa Bay, so an experienced, been there, done that kind of performer. He's worked with Willie Adamas. And you also have Connor Dawson, more of an up-and-comer, right? 28 years old, was in the Mariners organization, assistant hitting coach, worked his way through uh, some stints at the minor league level within the organization, and now to the Milwaukee Brewers. And David Stearns today said the Brewers are on the look for an assistant hitting coach. So this went from one guy, and Andy Haynes, and other people who I guess get involved, to two hitting coaches splitting duties with an assistant to be hired. It's very interesting. Here's David Stearns and the official announcement. Very pleased to announce our, uh, our, our new um, hitting coach duo at the major league level, our lead hitting coaches, Connor Dawson and Ozzie Timmons, um, two coaches who... Um, are distinguished and established um, in different ways. Um, Connor is, is widely considered as one of the um, up-and-coming young uh, hitting coaches um, in the industry, was widely recommended from a number of different sources, and, and as we got to meet him, clearly demonstrated that he's ready for this step in his career. And then Ozzy is, is a very well-known, um, experienced coach, former major league player, 
uh, who's had a lot of success helping the Tampa Bay Rays um, develop into um, a really sound and productive offensive unit. So combining those two skill sets, those two coaches uh, to lead our our major league hitters or major league offense, um, very exciting development for us. Okay, so it's it's an entirely new structure here with the Brewers. Why is it? Why is it that now, today, 2021, looking ahead to 2022, why is this the right move? Why is it time to augment the hitting department to where it's not just about one guy, but it's about a group? It's about a couple of individuals with with a third on the way, all getting their hands into the mix here to try and figure out the Brewers hitting woes from the last couple of seasons. What's the reason for the structural and philosophical change? We'll play his comments from David Stearns in our conversation after this on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Poll question is up. If you'd like to vote on it, check out at 620 WTMJ on Twitter. Are you concerned David Stearns' days in Milwaukee are numbered? GM meetings are going on in California right now, and uh, it's a very interesting story from Ken Rosenthal, MLB insider on The Athletic, saying the Mets are are looking for a new GM, but they remain very much interested in David Stearns to be the president of baseball operations. Not for this year, but once Stearns' contract expires in Milwaukee. So we've got some interesting intel on that. I'll share with you coming up on the other side. Meanwhile, vote on the poll question. It's up at 620WTMJ on Twitter. Are you concerned David Stearns' days are numbered in Milwaukee? We'll get to your thoughts and comments coming up in a few moments here on WTMJ. Back to Stearns' comments regarding the hitting coach situation. So I played the comments to you before. It was Ozzie Timmons, Connor Dawson, the announcement. It's official. It's a two-headed monster hitting coach for the Milwaukee Brewers. An assistant will be hired before the season begins, presumably before pitchers and catchers report. So why the structural change? What we are doing is, is a really a recognition that this has transformed into a very big job. And over the last, let's say, three to five years, as information continues to proliferate in our game, um, we are asking more and more of our coaches in general, and that's uh, certainly true of, of our hitting coaches. And uh, allowing Connor and Ozzy um, to, to split up uh, responsibilities of, of the head hitting coach um, and collectively lead our group and then supporting them with um, a yet to be hired uh, assistant we think is is the right structure for us now. Um, I think we're going to see other teams in the industry uh, follow similar structures here in the not too distant future and, and we think this is the right way to go. David I was going to wondering how the the duties are are divided if they're splitting up duties does one work with one particular group versus another? I mean, how does that how does that kind of work internally based upon their strengths, things they have a proven track record of, and so on? So I, th- I think what the goal is is to allow each coach to gravitate towards the areas um, where they're strong. Ozzy comes to a rep- comes with us as a reputation um, as a very established um, hitting coach, someone uh, who is a great connector with players, um, someone. Uh, who can provide perspective um, of what it's like to be in a major league uh, major league box um, and, and someone who has developed tremendous relationships with players um, throughout his career. Um, Connor comes to us 
with a skill set um, developed uh, perhaps a little bit more technically and, and learning um, the technical side of hitting, um, having a little bit more familiarity with some of the informational aspects and technology aspects that have emerged um, on our scene over the last couple of years. And we think those skill sets will complement each other very well. David, this seems like, just from an outsider perspective, hitting coach seems like the, maybe the most difficult job in all of sports because hitting a baseball is one of the most difficult things to do in all of sports. Are, are there common traits in your experience in the best hitting coaches that, that you have found that you know will hopefully translate to next year's crew with the folks you've hired? Well, I think you're right. I think this is a really tough position, and it's one of the reasons why we and I think some other clubs in the industry are beginning to take a fresh look at how to structure it and and what the best skill sets are to lead to success. Ultimately, um, I've said this before, and it remains true, coaches are teachers and coaches are leaders. And and you're looking for um, really talented teachers and really talented leaders. Um, and I'm optimistic that we found two of them right here. David Stearns there. So it's, it's sort of a, a philosophical change that all of the data, all of the analytics, everything that goes into being a hitting coach, it's, it's, it's become almost overwhelming for one individual to do. And to try and optimize your team's performance at the plate, you've got to be able to have your hands into all of these different elements, everything that's being used, right? They've got a pitching lab for the pitchers to use. Think of it like a hitting lab here now for the hitters. So two... Hitting coaches brought in to replace Andy Haynes. There will be an assistant hired at some point in the next couple of months. Brewers coaching staff changing over a little bit, mainly with that hitting coach position. Andy Haynes gone after a no other way to put it. Just a few disappointing seasons at the plate, and it seemed to progressively get worse. Coming up on the other side, I want to get your thoughts on this. 855-616-1620. Are you any bit concerned, more so today perhaps than in October or at any other point, that David Stearns' days in Milwaukee are numbered. I am more concerned today than I was October 15th. I'll explain after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back into the program. Greg Matz again for Matt Pauley. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Still coming up. Some of the best calls in the amazing career from Bob Euchre. I'll explain why. We're going to play some Euchre call. A little montage we put together. We'll do that coming up here before 9 o'clock. If you'd like to get in, it's 855-616-1620. So, uh, David Stearns, we, we talked to him today. He was uh, on a Zoom call talking about the hitting coach and all that kind of stuff. He's at the GM meetings in California, so this was not an in-person conversation with David Stearns. GM meetings are Back on the map, in person, that's right, handshakes, all that kind of stuff, it's happening, it's real. Uh, Non-COVID, well, it's still COVID times, but maybe a little more relaxed, if you will. Just nice to have these things happening again. And it's happening this year out in California. That's where David Stearns is, the annual general manager's meetings. It's also kind of a... It's sort of a feeding ground for for agents, and right. Scott Boris is always hanging out, talking about his clients and why they deserve this, that, and the other thing, and you know, back up the mint truck for this player. So I, there, there's storylines all over the place, and plenty of people there to chase the storylines. 
Included in the mix is Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. He's a Major League Baseball insider, has been for a number of years. Uh, it's got a story up on The Athletic in which he collaborated with a couple of other writers on, Tim Britton and Britt Garoli. And here's how it goes. Uh, I'll just kind of read a portion of this. While the Mets are moving closer to naming their next general manager, New York has bigger plans for its head of baseball operations. Sources say the Mets' primary target remains Milwaukee President of Baseball Operations David Stearns, even if they have to wait another season to land him. The Mets have pursued Stearns each of the last two winters to be their President of Baseball Operations, only to be denied permission to interview Stearns by Brewers owner Mark Atanasio. But New York is operating under the belief that Stearns' contract runs out after the 2022 season. Sources indicate that Stearns has serious interest in the position. So what's the connection here? I always talk about this when when players move, but I suppose it pertains to coaches, managers, general managers, and in this case, a president of baseball operations. I always look for the dot connecting. Right, Greg? We talk about this all the time. Connect the dots. What would lure a person from one place to the next? And the one place is Milwaukee, a place where David Stearns has come in in place of Doug Melvin and done an absolutely unbelievable job. I mean, a first-class, best general manager this organization has ever seen kind of job. It's impressive. Every year, he impresses me more and more, to the point where he's graduated now to the president of baseball operations gig. So why was he promoted to that gig? Well, number one, he earned it. But number two, if he's just the general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers and the Mets come down and say, hey, we want you to be our president of baseball operations, that is a promotion. That means Mark Atanasio cannot step in and say, nope, you're not talking to our guy, he's our guy. If it's a lateral move, that's different. Atanasio has the power to step in and say, nah, baby, nah, it ain't happening. You're not talking to our guy. He is our president of baseball operations, and unless you've got a title that ranks far and above what we've got our guy at, you're not talking to him. So we could get into a whole debate on whether that's you know should be the case or not, but that's the deal. That is the deal. Here's the dot-connecting portion of it all. Stearns is from Manhattan. He grew up a Mets fan. He once wrote about the Mets for his college newspaper. Right? I just He was an intern for the Mets in 2008. So it, it's sort of his, his upbringing, if you will. Mets fan, growing up, internship, right? That's the dot-connecting. So I, I don't know how heavy Stearns... His, op, uh, his appetite to return to New York is. I, I really don't know that. But I am more concerned today than I was in October. Because this came up in October at his end-of-season press conference, and Stern said very simply, we've got a lot of work to do here. I'm happy here, and so on. And this time around, the conversations were slightly different. I'm going to steer clear of that. I think everyone, um, myself included, prefers uh, keeping the attention on the players. Okay, that, that was his very short eight-second answer to the question. Hey, you're out there in GM land with the meetings, and it's all about player movement and player talk. Are you the subject of conversations out there as a potential free agent who could leave Milwaukee and land somewhere else? Well, I think Mark Athanasio will do everything in his power to keep David Stearns, uh, contract extension, and so on. What makes me a little bit nervous today is, to our knowledge, there has been no extension of the contract. Now, we typically, in the world of sports, and this is true in the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL, 
you don't learn the terms of the deals for general managers, and, and rarely do you learn the terms of the deal for a manager. Sometimes that does happen. The agents will play their game. But it's not like with players, right? I mean, it's very easy to look up what X, Y, and Z player made when they signed their contract. What, what were the terms of the Christian Yelich deal? That's easy to look up. What were the terms of the Lorenzo Cain deal after he was traded to the Brewers? That's very easy to look up. What does David Stearns get paid, and how long is his deal? You're not going to find it. So there is an assumption that the contract runs out after the 2022 season, meaning Stearns would have another year in Milwaukee at the minimum. But maybe, just maybe, he has said, well, let's not do the contract extensions talks. Let's just kind of see what happens here. Let's let's play this contract out and then sort of reevaluate. So that that's my my concern. I I do think you hear about extensions of general managers. You don't hear about the terms, but you hear about extensions usually well before that contract is up. If the GM is performing at a high level, and certainly David Stearns as a GM and president of baseball operations performing at a high level. So I'd love nothing more than to hear about an early Christmas present being David Stearns and the Milwaukee Brewers have settled on a contract extension to keep him in Milwaukee for the foreseeable future. That would be something I would enjoy reading. Anytime now. The fact we haven't yet, Greg, I'm a little bit more nervous today than I was in October. I Am I reading this wrong? No. Are you with me? Well, I don't mean to make uh, or make your way of thinking worse, but how would you describe the Mets' current situation, especially in their front office, with um, sort of a, would you say it's a dirty laundry pile at the corner of the floor, or would you say it's like a 12-car pileup um, on the highway? It kind of depends on the week. <laughs> right. It, right. So it's just what you uh, said earlier is how great of a job Stearns has done throughout his path, and now with his success for the Brewers, I can see why they're going to pursue him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, so here's the thing. So I think about it from both angles, right? If you're the Mets, yeah, that, that dude, we want that guy. Hey, look what he did to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Here in New York, we have unlimited resources. Yes, we compete with the New York Yankees, but that's a different league. And the Mets can write checks that the Brewers cannot. And that's true for a variety of teams in Major League Baseball. So David has done an incredible job on the value play. Starting pitchers, all will be back next year. Is anybody making over $6 million a year? Right? Like it's just it, He has built this thing in a way that you look at and say it's just genius. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. How many moves can you think of off the top of your head that just flat out didn't work? Like, dude, that, just, that was terrible. Like, what are you thinking with that? Jonathan Scope, maybe, but I remember him hitting hit a grand slam against Madison Bumgarner against the Giants in a year where the Brewers needed every win possible to get to the playoffs, and they ultimately did, right? And just, you know, hang on to their home field advantage, this, that, and the other thing. That was a critical victory that he helped them to. But David Stearns also recognized that it, overall, yeah, the Jonathan Scope deal didn't work out. But how many can you think of that just truly flopped? His first deal ever for the Brewers was signing Junior Guerra. Who's Junior Guerra? Well, that turned out to be pretty good, all things considered. His first trade was sending K-Rod to the Tigers for Manny Pena. Manny Pena's still on the team, though he is about to be a free agent, or is a free agent. But nonetheless, you've gotten your mileage out of a backup catcher who was traded for an aging reliever who last we saw stepped on a cactus during spring training. Like, it just, like everything worked for David Stearns. So I can understand the Mets' appeal in their draw to David Stearns. 
And why would David be interested? Well, it's a, a bit of a reclamation project, but there's a lot of talent there, too. This team was you know, top of the standings for the bulk of the year until the Braves just sort of caught fire after some of their trade deadline deals and ran away with things. The Mets collapsed, but the talent is there, the resources is there, and that might be the kind of project David Stearns wants to take on. Oh, by the way, it's it's where he grew up. So I get it. It's It's really interesting, but, yes, I am more worried today than I was in October that David Stern's days in Milwaukee are numbered. How do you feel about it? 855-616-1620 if you'd like to weigh in. Uh, we'll get our poll question updated. It is out there at 620WTMJ on Twitter. Coming up next, the Brewers are looking for a new voice. Not to replace the legendary one, though. We'll explain after this on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. question is up. We've got about uh, about 75 votes in. 50.7% believe that David Stearns' days are numbered in Milwaukee. 49.3% say no. No, I'm not worried about that at all. I, you know, we put this up before the show began and really didn't get into the reasons why I was concerned until you know the last 10 minutes or so. I'm, I'm wondering if these numbers will start to switch, if people listening have been swayed at all. Uh, but I, it, it's something really to pay attention to. And I mean, there is no doubt Mark Athanasio is well aware of what is going on. I, I think that's you know, part of the relationship he has with David Stearns. I, I think there's a level of transparency here. But, but yeah, I mean, you start to do the dot connecting, and I could see a path for David Stearns to end up in New York with the Mets. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope it doesn't happen. I would love to hear about a contract extension in Milwaukee. But maybe he has chosen to put that off with the idea that it could end up in New York at some point. Got a young family family's ties to new york uh this is one to watch uh i was not as nervous in october when david stern said i'm happy here i enjoy it here my family likes it here and we've got a lot of work to do i like that answer i like that that made me feel a little more comfortable uh hearing him just sort of eschew tom hottercourt's question earlier today saying yes yeah, this is more about the players not about me we're done let's move on and not that he's going to say much but The response in October would have been perhaps a little more comforting to hear uh, again today, but nonetheless, that did not happen. So if you want to weigh in on the poll, it's up at 620WTMJ on Twitter. If you'd like to weigh in on the phone, it's 855-616-1620. How concerned are you that David Stearns' days in Milwaukee are numbered? So far, about 51% believe, yes, this is a concern, but 49% say no. Greg, where are you? I, I always find you to be the, the, the voice of reason in situations like this. Does that mean I should go 50-50 to make everyone feel better? Are you riding the fence? Have you been swayed? <laughs> I can see the re Again, like I said earlier, I can see the reasons why the Mets want him. The resume sure pans out. Uh, the discussions of the rumors have been going for a while, though, so that's why I lean where you are. Why hasn't... You could say, flip side, why haven't the Brewers extended him yet? <laughs> why haven't the Mets signed him yet? You know what I mean? So put me at 70-30, he's staying. 70-30. Okay. I like that. I like the confidence. Um, I can see and nothing is going to change about how he approaches this season. Right? I, I, I have no doubt about that. Like, he will go into this offseason with the same amount of... You know, passion and energy for improving this team as he has in previous seasons. I have no doubt about that at all. It's just, 
He's an upstanding man, and he's an incredible professional, and he's an outstanding GM, outstanding president of baseball operations. The Brewers are lucky to have him. Can they keep him? That, uh, I believe, is the ultimate question. One so follow- weigh in on Twitter. Yeah, go ahead. One follow-up, just in case. Just Would you rather, if you were Stearns, depending on what the Mets do next year, would you rather take the job if the Mets were a dumpster fire? Because then you can further validate your you know, expertise at said position. Or would you rather them do amazing? Because then does that make the position more flattering? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, you know, I don't think that the, I don't think the Mets are in search of a guy like David Stearns if they feel like everything is on the track, right? I feel like right. they probably feel like the the train is about to go off the track. Uh, if not, it's it's off already, and it needs to be put back on. Uh, and David Stearns is the kind of guy to do that. Uh, they are not a complete mess, the Mets, but they're a ways away from being a legitimate threat. I think of the National League, and even their own division. I, I remember they were on top of the division for a while, but I, that just felt like fool's gold to me. I just It didn't make sense. Like, how are they doing this? Like, it's just not that good of a team. But they do have deep pockets. So they'll be able to do some things that they maybe cannot do in Milwaukee, but I think that's part of what made David Stern so amazing and makes him so amazing in Milwaukee, his ability to kind of make it work based upon the payroll uh, and just how they've had to build a team historically in this city and state. You know, the payrolls you know, at or are above a hundred million, but you know other teams and franchises have been well above a hundred million for years and years. Uh, some even over the two hundred million mark. So it's not an even playing field. There's no question about that. Um, but the Mets typically a franchise that has ample resources. Coming up on the other side, a treat. Bob Euchre's best calls. Why are we going to finish the show that way? I'll explain after this on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is News Radio WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Wrapping up the program on a blustery Thursday night. Greg Matzik for you on Brewers Weekly. Uh, you may have seen this in the last uh, several days or so. So Brian Anderson, the Brewers' longtime TV play-by-play man, is uh, sort of reducing his schedule, if you will, and he has taken on many more national gigs, which is awesome because B.A. is just incredible at what he does. So Jeff Levering is going to take on a little bit more of the TV duty this year, along with Brian Anderson. Matt LePay is very busy in Madison, so his eight years calling Brewers baseball is over. Matt did a great job as well. So they've got some moving pieces here. Um, and Bob Uecker's not going anywhere, which is great, but he's also not going to go back out on the road anytime soon, unless, of course, it's playoff baseball. So the Brewers are in the process of you know adding a play-by-play man to the booth, play-by-play person, I should say, uh, to the booth for select road games. Not 82, maybe half of that, maybe 40 to 50, pending the TV duties of Brian Anderson and Jeff Levering. So uh, it's interesting. But anytime you start thinking about, you know, broadcasters, Brewers broadcasters, baseball, Bob Euchre, of course, is the first name that comes to mind. I thought this would be a nice, fun way to close out the evening. Some of the best calls in the amazing career of Bob Euchre, which continues, by the way, in 2022, we finish Brewers Weekly with this. And the pitch to Pauly is lined to center. Get down, ball. Lynn coming on. He can't get it. The ball got by him. All the way to the wall. It could be an inside-the-park home run. Jackson, the pickup. The throw. Monitor coming on. He is in standing. And it is 4-2 on an inside-the-park home run by Paul Monitor. 
leads the pitch. Is hit over Cooper's head to right a base hit. Here is Reggie turning second, trying for third. Moore's going to have a play on him. The throw in time to get Jackson. Oh, what a throw by Moore. Oh, what a throw by Charlie Moore. He was right on line to monitor, and Molly was waiting for Jackson when he got there. It's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Thousands of people streaming on to the field at County Stadium! It is absolute pandemonium! The pitch, a swing and a fly ball, right field and deep! Get up, get up and get out of here! Back in against Mesa, who is working from the windup. The 0-1 pitch. Swings and there it is! A base hit in the right center! He's got it! 3,000 for Robin! He's down. Swing and a drive! Right center and deep! Get up! Get out of here! Smash!